Welcome to the Mental Wealth Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Davis. I'm a not-for-profit executive, podcaster, and mental health storyteller. Wealth is derived from the Middle English term wealth, which means well-being and happiness, or a life exemplified by abundance, happiness, purpose, health, and joy. In this short docu-series produced by Purposeful in partnership with Cooper Investors, I'll be taking you on a journey exploring the state of mental health and well-being in Australia. Over the series, I'll be telling you my mental health story and also sharing commentary from a range of experts on everything related to our mental health system here in Australia. We'll look at what works, what is missing, and how we can all work together towards better mental wealth. Aristotle once said, courage is the first of human qualities because it is the quality which guarantees the others. A highlight of putting this series together has been the chance to connect with some amazing and courageous people who are happy to share their mental health stories. These conversations were humbling and left me in awe of the humility and sharing spirit that my guests offered. It would be far easier not to talk about one's mental health issues, so I was naturally drawn to the decision to do so and how it has impacted on their lives. It was easy to draw inspiration from these guests who were living with conditions varying from OCD and anxiety to bipolar disorder, PTSD and depression. This episode, we'll hear conversations with three courageous activists. Firstly, Nick Pierce. Nick is the CEO of Homey, a streetwear clothing social enterprise. Secondly, Tennille Gilbert. Tennille is the Managing Director of Society Melbourne, a social enterprise with the vision of eliminating youth homelessness in Australia. Finally, we'll hear from Mitch Wallace, who is founder and CEO of Heart on My Sleeve a global mental health and social movement and service provider, empowering people to remove their mask in order to live and connect more authentically. Next episode will feature another three courageous activists, including former AFL great Wayne Schwoss, mental health advocate Matthew Jackman, and social entrepreneur Sakshi Thakur. First up, here is my conversation with Nick Pierce, CEO of Homey. So, Nick, tell me a bit about your own mental health and sort of, you know, discovering that you had a condition over time and maybe what that sort of means managing it today as well. Yeah, so I, I guess um, for, for me, um, something I'm dealing with on a, on a daily basis is um, OCD or otherwise known as obviously obsessive compulsive disorder. And and obviously, that's a, it's an anxiety disorder, you know, first and foremost. So, for me, like I am quite an anxious person um, and um, I'm also quite um, in a lot of ways sort of just quite on and and the mind's always sort of you know running over time and um it can be quite exhausting etc so i look i got it um diagnosed um when i was 18 and i just finished school and i think there were tendencies throughout my childhood that sort of um you know quite an addictive personality and all these other components and when i applied myself to something i was 150 percent in on it etc and just went to the nth degree so um you know, there were these little moments, but it really sort of manifested um, when I um, when I finished school, et cetera, and had that uncertainty um, around next steps in my life. And then obviously the anxiety fested and what it did was then transpire into obviously these, um, these compulsions and, um, you know, some intrusive thoughts. Um, so some really uncomfortable things that were going through my head and I, and I still have them, you know, um, they, they, they come up, but I guess how I manage and deal with them is I obviously don't believe them to be true. And I, I have, you know, obviously strategies now to be able to manage those so that, um, you know, I don't apply truth to those or I don't let them sort of, you know, I guess corrupt me or, or, or take me down a path. So I guess for me, um, you know, what's been wonderful is that it's been now sort of in terms of my recovery and one of those things that obviously I, I, I don't think, I mean, I'll ever beat, but I'll, I'll be able to manage it and, I, and manage it really effectively. Um, you know, it's something that I guess for me it is about making sure that, um, 
you know, I, I guess I'm able to sort of find a way that I can operate and be happy and healthy, et cetera. And um, I'm really fortunate to sit here now and, and have recovered significantly from obviously, um, you know, when I was at my worst. So um, for me, it's a few things. It's obviously awareness, like to, to manage on, on a daily basis and to be aware of sort of what could be potential triggers and to really um, be self-checking and, and you know, um, why am I feeling a certain way? Is it because um, it's it's validated or is it because it's actually my OCD that's sort of <laughs> creeping in and, and, and delineating between that is a, a technique and a tool that has really helped me um, significantly, has been able to actually um, identify, um, you know, whether or not this is a, um, a, a normal thought or obviously, um, you know, something that, um, you know, um, is a bit sort of, you know, outside of the box and, and then... Um, what I do is obviously I, I don't apply meaning to it. You know, I, I'm able to actually sort of now distinct, you know, between the fact that um, this is just a funny thought. That's all it is. And, you know, when I'm working away and something sort of goes into my head, I consider just it's, it's a fleeting thought now, which is, which is, you know, a great way to be. So, yeah, I've got some tools and techniques and, and what helped me largely was, you know, cognitive behavioural therapy. But um, I guess that the big thing is that for me going forward, um, it's very much about management. Um, it's about awareness and it's about being proactive when I'm, you know, when, when the signs do appear, you know, and when I um, am feeling sort of more at risk, et cetera. So, um, that, yeah, those are sort of the, the techniques and tools that have really helped me. But I guess the reality is that, you know, with, with life and our, our journey, there's going to be ups and downs. And I also, you know, things aren't always going to be hunky-dory and there's going to be obviously significant life events and and things that, you know, I'll be more susceptible to falling back into old habits. And it's just having a, a universal awareness and understanding of that and, and, and sitting okay with it as well. Um, you know, so I guess I've got a good arsenal now. I certainly do, but it's taken me, you know, um, at this point in time, I'm 27, I was 18, so, you know, almost a decade to to equip myself with all the, um, you know, tools. But once again, it's something that I also haven't just let sit idle. I guess, you know, I'm, you know, I still see you know, professionals, et cetera, and, and very um, proactive about looking after my own health and well-being. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I mean, it's one thing to share it with me, but to sort of come out and be a bit more of a, an advocate and to be vocal and an activist about your own mental health journey. Um, why was that important for you? And is that something, you know, you do again if you had your time over? Oh, it's a pleasure, Mike, honestly. And I think, you know, like a lot of people would say to you, I'm sure, who um, may have a similar experience is that so what helped me so much when I was really struggling was this notion of not being alone. And that was something that um, I, I suffered with significantly um, early days as I just felt that no one could actually quite understand or comprehend what I was going through. And then to know that there were others actually who, as silly as it sounds, it's, I use that example of almost like when you um, hadn't done your homework and you had that panic in class and then you check with your buddy next door and they said, I haven't done mine either and you feel better. And there's something <laughs> about that. And I talk about being in the trenches. So, you know, I, I, I'm always unashamed of, of you know, um, letting people know that I'm in there with you, you know, like, I, you know, we're, there, there are these there's, there's things coming at us, but I'm, I'm, I'm right here beside you. I know what it feels like. I know that it's hard for a lot of people to actually understand and comprehend it. But um, the most important thing is to know that you're not alone because I think it's such an isolating feeling or it can be, especially maybe... Um, particularly when sort of, you know, there's a point of diagnosis, et cetera. And for me, it was almost like um, an identity, you know, sort of crisis. It was yeah. like who I was. And then this thing happened to me that wasn't supposed to happen to me, you know, and then it did. And then it was like, who am I now? Um, and all these, you know, 
this reflection came in and, 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 and all the rest. And so for, for, for mine, um, it's just about, you know, letting someone know that I'm there to sort of stand, you know, alongside them. I haven't done my homework either. Um, yeah. And that's okay. You know, we're, we're, we're going to be all right. Did somebody, when you were thinking about sort of coming out, so to speak, or to speak publicly about the OCD, did you have certain people who encouraged you to share it or not to share it? And what, what was that like sort of deciding for yourself what to do? Yeah, look, great question. I mean, I did actually have a, you know, a really wonderful conversation with my parents who obviously were sort of my number one supporters, you know, all my, my family, my brothers, et cetera. And, and um, I remember my mum very vividly sort of saying, you know, Nick, we don't have to tell anyone if you don't want to, you know, because it's something that, you know, whatever is going to make you feel, you know, best and most comfortable. And and for me, it was just kind of therapeutic, I think, to get it out there. I've, I've always, you know, for me, there's, there's just no shame. I think, um, you know, it's, it's, it's part of my fibre, it's part of my... DNA and 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 equally um, working through it and 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 learning how to manage it better. Um, it's been awesome to be able to you know hopefully just encourage others in and see that as well and to um, unlock conversations that previously or relationships that previously weren't there. I think has been really special. So if, if anything, it sounds a bit silly, and I'm sure again you may hear this from other people, but um, something I'm quite proud of. Um, you know, having sort of dealt with and managed and, and unashamed of and 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 really at the point of, you know, diagnosis, you know, it's absolutely one, the most difficult thing I think I've ever experienced in my life. But I'm also quite thankful for um, what it's enabled me to do as a result and, and, and who it's enabled me to become or continually sort of evolve into. So, um, you know, there's certainly been for me far more pros than cons. Um, but I understand as well, like it's one of those things, you just have to find what works for you. Um, but for me, it was sort of also that notion of strength in numbers and, and seeing others, you know, obviously um, sp- speak about it. And I think it's really helped us, you know, seeing people of influence, et cetera, you know, um, be forthcoming and, you know, that notion of being imperfect and but rather being authentic. So those are some sort of, you know, I guess principles that um, I've also adopted. So did you find, um, I'm curious to know sort of how it impacted on your relationships, like were there some unexpected um, gains through sharing your story that that sort of enriched your relationships? (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, look, it's funny. um, In a lot of ways, as I say, I I was able to develop, you know, far more genuine, authentic um, relationships with people who were already friends, but obviously just a, a deeper level um, of sort of, you know, um, when we may have made that connection that we both had something to share, um, you know, how that just created um, more of a meaningful, I think, um, you know, sort of dialogue, but also just, um, you know, relationships. So um, that was one thing, but also, yeah, certainly with people that, um, you know, as, as you say, like, I, like as an example, like sort of the, the the it girl at school or whatever it was and um and then having that and and actually um having a conversation and realizing that we were both on the same wavelength etc and i probably never would previously spoken to that person etc all the rest of it so it was funny i think it just opened all these doors to um conversations that never would have transpired um to and it also if anything really um it it grounded and balanced me because what it did was it, it 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 showed that um you know um in a way that this this issue was was so much bigger than what I thought it was, and I can certainly say that you know previously um, not um, having you know obviously an issue or not um, being made aware of it, um, you know was so indifferent towards it, and then just to realise the the scale, um, and obviously not just from a numbers perspective and the statistics, but but also from just my immediate networks and circles, how many people were dealing with something um, was so confronting. Um, but also in, in a way I'm so appreciative of it because 
you know, I actually was able to develop empathy, which is so critical for something like this and something that I really didn't have a lot of um, prior to as well. And it sounds like it's, it might have changed the way you perceive yourself a little bit or your own sort of concept of self, self-identity. Mm-hmm. Um, it's no longer Nick is just Nick, but you, you talk about how you sort of see yourself as a person who's anxious, but um, anxiety is part of you, but it's not all of you. It doesn't define you, but it's something that you carry with you. I'm just curious about how you feel about that relationship and sort of how do you carry that with you every day, but not let it subsume yeah. you. Yeah, it's, that's a great question. I mean, in terms of not letting, obviously, um, yeah, that that, that um, this condition or this obviously this illness, which which it is obviously, you know, absorb me and define me. And I actually, um, it's funny. I had a once again challenging my um, my my preconceived notions to this whole thing. I I went to see a psychiatrist when I was. Um, you know, first sort of diagnosed at 18 child psychiatrist. And, you know, I had the idea of it being sort of that person, obviously, and I'm lying down, you know, on one of those sort of benches and all the rest of it, which a lot of people envisage through the movies and all the rest of it. But I had this this um, this man walk out, you know, I was in the waiting room and, and feeling, you know, heaps of trepidation and all these things. And he was, um, he was this African man um, who um, was wearing a, a really um, regal white suit, Amazing. Um, and white shoes and you know i thought is this god you know i mean what what is going on here it was one of these moments where it just um it, it was like and, and this person was just such an important part of obviously my my journey to recovery but he said something that has really stuck with me and it's a saying and a phrase i know that sort of exists um that um i really um have sort of absorbed again and adopted as part of my creed, but this notion of sort of an idle house being a devil's playground was sort of something that he um, spoke of. And he was, I'm not a really religious person by any means, but he was quite religious. And just using that example of sort of, um, you know, you need to fill your house with, um, you know, with, with positive things, with, with good things. You need to paint the walls. You need to, you know, whatever it may be, et cetera. And, and, and that's um, really, I guess, an example of um, you've got to fill your life with things that make you full, full and rich and, um, you know, just understanding what those are and, and playing to those strengths because it's when you are um, feeling empty or, or, or you're not stimulated or you're, um, you know, you're not employing those tools that you know work for you that the anxiety can, can creep in. So I guess I've been able to sort of, um, in a way, distinguish between who, who am I um, and then um, what is this? And then when I'm thinking that something's a bit off, um, is this me or is this this? And then really being able to kind of look at it as a separate entity and, you know, a separate force that, um, you know, I can I can manage and that I'm strong enough to manage because, you know, I have the equipment, you know, to be, to be able to deal with it. Next up is my conversation with Tanil Gilbert, Managing Director of Society Melbourne. Um, first of all, why don't you just talk a bit about what, condition you're managing and how you're experiencing that yeah sure um so i have clinical anxiety which i've experienced for gosh a very long time um i'd say that i first kind of experienced it probably late primary school so um it's been with me for for most of my life and i guess sometimes it feels like it's a part of me and I get and I think that's something I've really had to deal with is going on it's not it's not a part of me it doesn't have to be a part of me it exists within me a lot of the time um but I have this opportunity to really work work with it and and work through it so um you know this COVID period has been a really interesting time for it um you know I think it's 
it's also interesting the fact that a lot of people during this COVID period have experienced some kind of anxiety or depression or stress that they haven't experienced before when they wouldn't be someone who perhaps is diagnosed with a mental illness, but someone who has experienced, you know, is experienced poor mental health. And so a lot of people are starting to really understand, you know, get a sense of, of what it's like to um, to feel this way. Um, and yeah, for me, you know, it was, it's been a really big thing through, through teenagehood. And I think that's quite a, quite a common um, phase. I think it's something like 60% of um, illness as a teenager, 60% of illness for teenagers is mental health. Um, so it's a, it's a huge issue. Um, for me, it's been a lot of, you know, psychology and a lot of kind of talking through the issues and and coming up with strategies that suit me um, that I can apply when my anxiety is particularly hard and when I need to to manage it. And why is it important for you to come out and share your mental health journey and story? Mm. Um, I I honestly believe it's kind of one of the most powerful tools that we have is is sharing, um, is sharing our experiences and making sure that our our different experiences are heard because I'm not alone. There are so many people experiencing anxiety, for example, or maybe you know depression or bipolar or whatever kind of um, mental illness they are experiencing. And for me, I had to. It took me a long time just to come to terms with the fact that this is what I was experiencing. And I think that's often the issue with mental illness is it's played down. Um, it's like, oh no, you're just feeling, you're just feeling bad today. You're just in a bad mood. Um, you know, it's okay. It'll get better, blah, blah, blah. Um, it's not made out to be something that is actually existing within you and is actually causing you a poorer quality of life. Um, and so I think once you understand that other people are experiencing it and that other people have gone through it, and for someone like myself, I wouldn't say, I've gone through it. I wouldn't say I'm at the end of it. I would say it's probably going to be with me for the rest of my life and I'm, I'm quite okay with that. Um, but that I have the tools and the strategies to manage it and that I'm able to live a really, you know, fruitful life and a really enjoyable life is something which I hope can can motivate others. And I think, I don't I you know, I was thinking about this as, um, earlier today and I thought it's interesting because I think we often mix up the concept of of sharing and complaining. <laughs> um, and it's not that I want to complain about where I'm at and it's not that anyone really wants, you know, complain. I think we need to allow people to share and to be really okay with that. I think we're very good at kind of pushing aside, oh, you're having a bad day. Well, I'm having a bad day too. Um, you know, there's always that comparison that comes in. So, yeah, let's make sure that we kind of put it out there, have people understand that this is going on and that there are ways of dealing with it and that there's a huge kind of support base there to make sure that it doesn't have to be a huge negative impact on your life. When you decided or when you were thinking about um, coming out to talk about some of your issues, um, did anyone try and sort of say maybe it's not such a good idea to talk about them publicly or did you <laughs> sort of feel at any time maybe it's not a great idea to talk about them? Um, I think there's moments. I think when you there's often shame or weakness associated with um, with mental health and I think that that's something which people will, you know, will put to you as a reason to not kind of go out because, you know, I'm, a, I'm in a position of leadership. Maybe that will affect how people see me, how my team sees me. Perhaps it will affect how people see Society Melbourne and what they think, you know, oh, maybe now Society Melbourne's unstable because, well, I don't know, you know, things do get played out um, a little bit and I can I can see where that, you know, pushback would come from. Um, for me, I'm lucky I've got a really great 
you know, support network um, around me. And I think that people really, you know, understand that for me, it's it's about so much more than myself and my personal journey and that I kind of almost feel lucky to have a personal journey to share because it means that I can hopefully influence some others. Um, and I think it's it's so important to, you know, for me, I've had to recognize that this is not a weakness really. Like anxiety actually makes me who I am in many ways. I don't believe I'd be in the position I am today. Um, I don't believe I'd be doing the work I, I do um, and, you know, be, you know, quote unquote like successful um within kind of the social enterprise space if I didn't have that anxiety constantly pushing me and ticking me along. You know, it's annoying as hell sometimes, but it is a motivator at the same time. And so I guess I want to make sure that we pull out some of those strengths and also the resilience. Like I've I've really had to fight this. It, it has not been an easy journey. And I think to remind ourselves that there's that positive side to it. Um, is also an important part of, yeah, the discussion. Have you had any particularly interesting reactions to you sharing your story? <laughs> um, I don't think so. I think I sometimes have people say, oh, you know, I never would have thought that you seem so calm, <laughs> which makes me laugh because I definitely don't seem calm most of the time. <laughs> um. What what I have noticed is that it's kind of the best way to get people to open up about their own experience. And I think that's usually why I'll choose to share it. So um, there was someone in my team recently who I kind of realized was probably going through a tough time and perhaps was experiencing some poor mental health. And the first thing I did was share what I'd been through and said, look, I've been through this. I'm still going through this, um, but I am so much better off for seeking help and for, you know, addressing it. Um do you think maybe there's something similar going on for you? And I think that kind of conversation, um, it can, you know, shock people a little bit coming from that leader perspective again, you know, like, oh, that's that's interesting that, you know, she's revealing this this weakness. Um, I was quite I was doing finger quotes there as well, sorry. <laughs> um and yeah, it does allow them to then open up. So I think that's been the biggest thing is I've yeah shared it with so many people in one-on-one situations and have so many people come back and say, wow, like I feel exactly the same way or I've experienced that as well. And it's led to that kind of that discussion that can then happen about, well, well, what can we do to make sure that you're, that you can get through this as well. And what sort of impact has it had on your life to kind of be seen as somebody who's an activist or who comes out to talk about their own mental health and you, just in terms of self-perception how do you see yourself and kind of what what the effect overall has been of um going public mm, yeah absolutely um i guess this is the first time i've really talked super publicly <laughs> on like a literal public forum about it um but i i don't think it has had a huge impact personally I think well I guess you know I know that's not right it has had an impact personally in the way that it's given me another chance to process or to you know go through what I'm feeling in a different way and I think again you know it, it can't be a comparison I think comparison plays down what we are experiencing um but it can be a chance to go oh okay well I've I've shared that and someone else is also going through a really tough time actually I'm doing okay and I can kind of see that I'm you know that I'm getting a little bit better and that I'm sharing a little bit more and, I, and I'm pushing that out there so I think that's been a really important point of of talking about my journey is actually recognizing how far I've come um, I think you know a few years ago 
there's no way I would have talked about this because I would have been terrified as to how, you know, you, Mike, or how anyone um, would have perceived me. So I think that's almost, you know, that's a really big thing for me is, yeah, is seeing, you know, the growth that I've had in myself and, and sharing that. Next up is my conversation with Mitch Wallace, founder and CEO of Heart of My Sleeve. So what, what conditions are you managing at the moment? Well, I think it's an important word that you called out there, Mike, which is managing. I don't think with mental health you ever try or need to eradicate something. I, I truly believe that mental health is about effective coping. So for me, historically, the big things have been obsessive compulsive disorder, uh, depersonalization, which is a very rare form of dissociation, uh, and generalized anxiety. And so why did you feel that it was important to come out and share your journey? Um, For me, the one thing that changed my life from a place of I can't do this anymore to now thriving and living the happiest and most integrated I've ever felt was one person's story. Uh, it's, It's a longer story of my own, but essentially at my darkest hour, I was literally praying for something that would make me believe it was going to be okay. And I stumbled across a YouTube video of a guy in his bedroom who decided to share his story. I've never met him. I've never spoken to him. Um, he's no one famous. And when I watched it, it was almost word for word identical to mine. And it was the first time ever in my life that someone had put language to the feelings, sensations, emotions, uh, often very painful ones, that I had wanted someone for, for forever just to say, I get it. And it was in that moment where um, that, that sense of feeling understood that I recognized that through someone else's narrative, you can shift your perspective of your, of your own. And that seeing him have editing capabilities over what he'd been through despite it being identical to mine, he would he was able to live and manage and cope. So my whole life's goal, I was working for Microsoft at the time over in uh, America and I was in my mid-20s, had it all going for me uh, until I didn't. And that video showed me what vulnerability and authenticity can do for someone else when used in the right way. So I quit my job, moved back to Australia, moved in with my parents. My whole life's goal was to be Harris, this guy for one other person. And I recorded a video saying, hey, you think I have my shit together and it's a perfect Instagram moment? Here's the actual reality. And that video ended up going viral and reaching over a million people in a week, started a global movement called Heart on My Sleeve. And now that heart is now a massive tattoo. And um, I've launched, about to launch my fifth mental health organization. Um, So my whole life is devoted to this space now. Before you came out to share your story, did any loved ones or friends try and tell you maybe it's not such a good idea and try and stop you? Um, no. In fact, my my family, the very few who knew how bad I was struggling, um, ha- helped me put that video together and um, wanted me to share it because they've seen how much pain and destruction it's caused and I think we all agree that pain without meaning is evil. It's just like it can't be true. 
So if that meant transmuting my pain and making it worth something, they were in full support. What's been one of the most interesting reactions you've had to sharing your story? I've lost a lot of guy mates. I don't know if there's a correlation there. Um, Maybe it's because... You know, it could be a number of reasons. I've also gained a whole new circle of friends as well, including guy mates. I think when you live authentically, you shed the leaves that were no longer serving you. And that process can be really painful because the ego then creates stories and we want what's familiar and known. Uh, And so I think part of that has been, I don't just want to go down to the pub and talk about footy anymore. Like there's more to me than that. I want to get deep and talk about all these things, including emotions. And the other day I posted on my Instagram how I felt inspired by a flower. And as a straight male who's grown up in an alpha community, that's just not stuff that you say. Um, so I think the the cost of being truly you is that the ones that aren't truly your friends will leave and that hurts more than what it sounds like. What does good mental health um, look like or sound like to you? Good coping, straight up. That's an easy one. You know, mental health is, um, it's not mental illness, by the way. I think a lot of people think that they're interchangeable terms. Mental ill health is is a point on the spectrum of mental health. It is when our default state erodes from us, whether it's a bad week, a bad day, you know, traumatic event. Um, So I think mental health, first of all, is something that we all want, something that we all desire, and it's something that we all lose. In fact, you know, they say one in five of us, but I've heard professors say that 87% of people get down the mental health spectrum to ill health at some point in their life. Um, So we all know what it's like to feel crap. I also don't think it means that you need to have the perfect life without any problems occurring. You know, the things that happen in our life don't directly translate to the emotional impact. It's the way that we view them and the way that we work through them. Um, And I also don't think that mental health is about never feeling any type of bad emotion. You know, you don't need to remove anxiety or depression or any of that stuff. It all serves a purpose. It's managing its excess. How far beyond the point of coping are you? That's the only thing you should ask yourself. Not how is this in relation to anyone else. Um, not trying to get your anxiety levels down to zero, but how do I uh, live a life of meaning, purpose, fulfillment, connection, not always pure happiness as, as a result of coping well with the inevitable problems of life um, that enables me to have a shared human experience. So what's been the impact of sharing your, sharing your story um, on you, yourself, first of all, and then maybe I'll ask you about others who have been in your orbit. The best thing for me is not having to hide anymore. Um, that was taking incredible amounts of uh, mental energy and becoming a problem in and of itself. It also has enabled me to connect in whole new ways in that I now feel loved and seen for all of me, not just the parts that I thought are lovable. It's, so it's transformed relationships and deepened them beyond my greatest hopes. It has allowed me to live my now true life's calling, which is mental health, and has allowed me to find a whole career in something that I care more about than anything else in the world. And 
it has, I think, helped a lot of people realize that they aren't alone. And that's, you know, arguably the greatest benefit is when you can be in service to others. I think the the downsides are, as I said, uh, it doesn't gel with everyone. Um, and that ultimately now that I tell my story a bit, it can be sometimes burdensome to relive that over and over again. Um, and there are some people that just straight up don't get it. But it's actually far less than you think, you know. I think a lot of people uh, see the internet as one big troll haven. That is true. Those people are out there. But I've shared, I've helped people share hundreds of stories through social media and Heart on My Sleeve in the last few years. And we've only ever had a couple people um, who have who have been nasty. And even on my own comments, you know, you get a, a couple of weeks ago I had a guy reach out and say, you know, use a whole bunch of swear words and just, you 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 know, soft, you know what. And, but it just, it really doesn't affect me. I'm so okay with who I am and I, and I have the people that care about, care about me back. Those people just don't even register anymore. But the last point I'll say on this, I don't encourage anyone and everyone to just pick up a phone or a microphone and tell their story. You know, it's, it's really important that you're in the right headspace to tell your story. On Heart on My Sleeve, we always encourage people to go through our quiz and our training that allows them to understand, am I sharing from a place of strength right now? You don't need to be better. As you say, it's about managing. But are you managing well every day? Have you thought about the different implications? If people are confused or don't understand it or, in fact, judge you for it, how are you going to handle that? Let's workshop some of that out. And then once that is done, sharing comes from such a place of um, power that it's hard not to be helpful. What do you think some of the biggest challenges of our mental health system are? Before, I would say a lack of prioritization and awareness, but I think that's getting a lot better. I think that the funding is going to just the big players. And I think we need to encourage more innovation to other people or other organizations that have good entrepreneurial ideas to approach problems at scale in different ways. I, I would say before there was also not enough prioritization with regards to subsidized psychology, but that's increased from 10 sessions to 20 sessions in Australia, which is amazing. It's almost world leading. Um there was also some issues, barriers around telehealth and access to that, which has gotten a lot better, which is great. I think one, two areas actually that need to improve a lot. One is hospitalization for suicidal attempts. The discharge rate is way too quick um, and way too flippant. They get people in, they stabilize them within a few hours and then send them away, whereas one of the times you're most likely to commit suicide is um, after a suicide attempt. So I think that um, discharge and then post-care follow-up has to be way better. The other thing is schools. I think charities are expected to fight it out in schools at the moment to go in and deliver workshops, etc. But we need public dollars that help that. We need way more. There's like one counsellor to every, it's crazy, it's like 25 public s- primary schools and that the coverage just isn't there. So I think we need a more always-on state-led approach to um, mental health care and counsellor support in schools. 
I hope you enjoyed our conversations with our three inspiring mental health activists. Join us for part B of this episode, which will be next episode, where we'll hear from another three incredible mental health activists. You've been listening to the Mental Wealth Podcast, an eight-part docuseries produced by Purposeful in partnership with Cooper Investors. Tune into our next episode, where we'll continue our journey exploring the state of mental health and well-being in Australia. 